It's a great big beautiful tomorrow. My name is shining Red. at the end of every day. I was gonna it's say my name was big beautiful tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe not sing a song that's actually in the movie. That's and presumably also at the theme just park. Just a dream away. My name is Brad Bird, and I'm here to say, I'm here to make a movie in a retro futurist way, like every one of my fucking movies. Oh my god, get out. Like, just <laughs> shut up and introduce the podcast. I hate right. both of us so much today. <laughs> so welcome to our 20th episode! This is the big duo! Yeah, episode 20 of Stuck in the Middle with You, a podcast where two guys take a look at a critically divisive film and see on what side of the consensus they fall on. My name is Derek Gade, and this jerk-off, this other guy, <laughs> this other voice... <laughs> this other piece of shit here... Is Juan Burkeen. Say hi, Juan. Hi, we just spent 20 minutes, speaking of 20s, talking about nonsense radio show hosting that Derek and I would do, and that may or may not potentially make it online someday. We'll see. Uh, But what will definitely make it online is our discussion about this week's film. This was your pick, man. What did you pick? I picked Brad Bird's Tomorrowland, which is the most modern film we have done on our podcast to date because it literally came out this summer. That is correct. It came out to mixed reviews, and boy, howdy, are those mixed reviews earned. Well, I mean, I I don't entirely agree. I think they're too mixed. I don't think it deserves a 50 by any means, but whatever. We'll get into that in just a minute. So, Derek, would you care to tell us what Tomorrowland is about? Well, that's not the preferred phrasing, but okay, I'll give it a shot. Whatever. I don't care. I'm <laughs> fucking spicing it up. It's 20. God, don't spice it up too much. We're, I mean, we're only 20. I gotta spice everything up. Once you hit your 20s, that's it. Like, it's everything downhill. downhill. <laughs> You're such a fatalist, like, man. Are we, gonna, think... are we gonna quit this show when we hit 50? Yeah, we're gonna quit this show when we die. Well, I mean... Or at least when the, when at least when the interest dies. Yeah. I mean, Which if it ever it was never... really there, I mean... Okay, anyway. So yeah, Tomorrowland is uh, based on the ride at... uh, Is it Disneyland or Disney World? I don't know. I'm not American. Both. Oh, both. Okay. So it's based on the (laughs) ride. (laughs) And uh, this... I mean, no. Oh, my God. Okay. Here's the thing. I'm doing this. Tomorrowland is not a ride in Disneyland or uh, Disney World. It is a section of Disneyland and Magic Well, excuse me. Jesus fucking Christ. Here's one thing that's going to separate me and Juan here. Juan is Knows everything about fucking Disney. balls deep in the lore. He is a Disney shill. I'm, I am I fucking love Disney. You are I, I could a corporate a shill tour. for our mouse-eared overlords, my friend. I don't care. It's so fun. It's so uh, fucking optimistic and shit, and that's why I hate Banksy's stupid bullshit fucking Dismaland more Dismal than land? anything in the world. Because No, Dismaland. Because it is not double L. It should have been double L. I feel like that was like an oversight. I know, but he's a piece of shit, Derek. It was not an oversight. (laughs) Well, we did not. We did not uh, start this podcast with the the, uh, or with the intention of burying Banksy. We started this podcast to bury this film. I don't care. You know what was a better Dismaland than Dismaland? Escape from Tomorrow. Escape from like this is the second podcast in a row where we mention Escape, we from, Tomorrow. Escape from Tomorrow. I know it's so thematically appropriate. I'm well, we so are glad. recording these podcasts one right after the other. So woo. <laughs> so Tomorrowland is, stars George Clooney in what is possibly his least George Clooney esque role. 
he he plays a kid who goes to the 1964 World's Fair in New York, the same 1964 World's Fair that's mentioned in the They Might Be Giants song, Anna Eng. The first act of the film is basically an, a Disney ad. It's an ad for the park. It is not, because it doesn't even fucking take place in the park. It takes know, place in the fucking New York is, World's Fair, where there's only the two, fair, there two are, things shown. There is a large sign that says Walt Disney's Tomorrowland. But the thing is, there's right only the literally, like, the they don't even show that much of Tomorrowland in the movie. They don't even, like, show the Carousel of Progress and shit, like, which it makes me kind of bitter. But they do play the song <laughs> from the Carousel of Progress, which is a great bit beautiful tomorrow, which this is, is a magnificent song. This is song. a classic Mononymy move. This is the, the part for the whole. This is not rocket science. <sighs> Whatever. They do Anyways. show... The um, lovely, lovely It's a Small World ride for, like, about five seconds. Specifically the outdoor version that is in Disneyland and not in Disney World. Uh, so you have, you have kid, the kid, the movie starts off with George Clooney speaking to an unseen crowd or audience, presumably speaking to us. And there's a doomsday clock. The world is going to end. And it's up to tomorrow. And Tomorrowland is fucked. But we've got to fix it. And... This whole movie is kind of about practical problem solving, but kind of leaves that aside, much to my annoyance. Because really? Yeah, because there are literal, actual movies about literal, actual problem solving. Something like All is Lost. But and this movie doesn't and, need whoa, 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 to be no, about no, 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 problem I know, I know, solving. I know, I know, I know. Like All is Lost, or, or like The Martian. I haven't seen the movie, but the book is definitely is. about yeah, it's literally pragmatic like, problem it's solving. Just, Science. <laughs> but whereas this movie tries to hold two ideas simultaneously, and that kind of tears the film asunder. It's got this optimism that Juan's talking about, about uh, hope and progress. And about a great, dreams. big, beautiful tomorrow. Yeah, but it's also got uh, cynicism and pointing an accusatory finger to uh, humanity's cowardice and greed. But like, okay, hold on. Hold on, because the person who delivers that cynicism and that bitterness is not a good person. No, but here's the thing, though. <laughs> Within the films, in the film, existence. though, everyone kind, everyone except the little robot kid. And this movie has a robot kid, just so you know, who is awesome. Is not that awesome. <laughs> I love her. Whatever you suck. Everyone has their moments of of doubt. And they exist with moments of, I guess, optimism. But the movie posits not like it, it doesn't posit concretely that optimism leads to results. It posits that the only way to lead to results is through optimism. This is the least pragmatic, pragmatic movie I've ever seen in my life. But now, like, I, do you I, disagree with that concept? Do you think I, you don't like? I think you it, don't need a certain sense of optimism to be able to push past. I think you need a certain sense of pragmatism. No. It's not quite the same. I mean, like, yeah, this, I agree, this, but why not both? Kind of, this movie kind of posits that the way to solve the world's problems is through sheer elbow grease and conveniently leaves politics and money out of it. And I don't mind because that. The kind of the kind of like objectivist utopia that Brad Bird posits in this film and posits in a few of his films, incidentally enough, is really weird. Like, there's some ideas I agree with, but a lot of them... 
and there's a bunch that I don't, and they don't gel very well. I mean, I expected muddy politics from a Brad Bird film, but what do you what do you keep saying? You expect muddy politics from a Brad Bird film? There's a kind of like I'm genuinely curious what you, how you feel about Brad Bird's politics in this in this moment. There's this weird mix of scrappy stick-to-itiveness and ingenuity and really weird meritocracy that always kind of – this happens in The Incredibles, a movie I like, incidentally. This happens in Mission, uh, and presumably Mission Impossible. I don't think so. And um, – fuck, what's what, the Iron Giant? Iron Giant less because that's more of a fable. What about Ratatouille? Again, well, kind of in Ratatouille too, actually, <laughs> because it's. I think you're it's, stretching this. It, like, it, here's the thing, though. In those movies, half posit that all you need is like guts, a can-do attitude, and elbow grease, and you can be greatness. But there's also these institutional forces around that that are kind of like ignored or not addressed. The politics okay. of, like, say, the uh, the food critic world in Ratatouille, or the the whole keen act in the incredible goes unaddressed it just happens there's an interesting okay, my question is like why can't we ignore said things because it makes the end result more disingenuous if there isn't at least a little bit of an engagement with it that beyond just you can do it 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 kind of like lessens the product at the end of the line this is why i think that the iron giant is still bride bird's best movie I mean, I love The Iron Giant. I'm still really bitter that I couldn't go see the remastered version because my ex is a piece of shit. Jesus but, Christ. Um, I know, whatever. I We had a very bad day the day that he wanted to go see that with me, and I was just like, fuck that, I'm not sitting in a movie theater with you. But see, the, um, the Iron Giant is, 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 is kind of like that, too. You've got... But this kid, the kid in The Iron Giant doesn't really amount to anything. He just lucked out into this... Vin Diesel robot Superman Yeah, I was about thing. to say Vin Diesel robot. <laughs> and the government stuff is more explained. The government stuff, the institutional stuff in The Iron Giant is a million times more fleshed out than it is in any other of his movies that I've seen. <sighs> I just, you're, I just you're don't literally think directly... you need to be super involved in said politics. And actually, like, now, I mean, now that you like discussing this, I actually surprisingly movie... do think that uh, Mission Impossible Four kind of sidesteps that, and Five, uh, Chris right McQuarrie, I think. Yep. Uh, he literally picks up the pieces of everything it. that Brad Bird does, which I think is actually very interesting. Now that you mention it. But the thing with Tomorrowland is that it explicitly says that a utopia can only be achieved if politics and money are abolished. But it also posits that utopias are impossible. But it also posits that utopias are possible through elbow grease. It's really muddled. (sighs) Getting flashbacks of Annie, aren't you? No, I'm not. I don't. I don't agree. Hmm. Why not? Or rather... I'm trying to think of, like, how to explain this, but, like... uh... I mean, there is a dope sci-fi movie here about transdimensional travel and alternate realities. I mean, the thing is, like, it's not, like, a straight sci-fi film. It's more of an adventure. 
It's kind of an adventure. It has a sort it's of a pure. Amb- it's a no. It's not kind of an adventure. It's a pure adventure film. It, it has that sort of Amblin touch, or tries to. It is very much like an Amblin style. Film. I, I mean, not not you know so what? much. I fucking forgot that Damon Lindelof co-wrote this. Yeah, of course he did. Damon Lindelof co-wrote this. That's why yes, it's so muddy. Which is the only okay. I d- I will say the one 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 scene that I feel is a bit much is Lindelof's loud speech for Hugh Laurie about how awful humanity is. I thought it was just it was just so much happening. Here's the thing with these speech this speechifying in this film. None of it is wrong. None of it is right. It's just the way you choose it's just the way you choose to look at existence. If you agree with Hugh Laurie's very um pessimistic, pessimistic cynical yeah, very almost Randian, almost, <laughs> almost Randian view of humanity. You, I mean, you're obviously not going to like the film as a whole because it goes directly against that. But if you're all for, you know, just sheer optimism, sheer like if you're willing to roll along with the fact that like literally the entirety of Tomorrowland and the world as we know it can be saved by just really wanting to do something about it and thinking like, yeah, but isn't maybe that the world isn't going to go to shit. If you're willing to roll along with that, I think the movie is so, so satisfying. I think this movie posits progress is good just because it's progress. And I think that I mean, might leave a sour taste in my mouth. I mean, so would you rather just have the world end? No, because... It, the movie presents kind of a false dichotomy. What, either the world ends or we save the world? No, the world never ended. It's a, it's a, it's a cop-out. It's a, well, no, it was going to end. N- no, it's, this is explained away in the third act of the film as like sort of a, um, it, as kind of a feedback loop. It's like it a game of- technically going to end. It was, it's, it's a shell game. Ugh. You know, this movie is has a lot Which, of... Which, okay, like, oh wait, hold on. I will say, like, that scene, like, the entire, like, room where you could go through the whole world was really gorgeously designed. Yeah, if it weren't done by fucking Luke Basson, like, last year already. I mean, Whatever, shut the fuck up. Okay, you know what? I don't Lu- need this shit. That scene was Lucy adjacent. I'm sorry. It It was similar, but not exactly the same. I don't know, a machine where, uh, uh, an all-powerful machine where you could cycle through time and space. Sounds pretty similar to what that happened at the end of Lucy. I don't need this, I don't need this, <laughs> this negativity in my life right listen, now. Listen, but anyway, movie. like, going off of what you were saying about progress, for progress's sake, it is all very much, like, in tune with a certain Disney mentality. The Disney mentality can go eat a bag of car exhaust for all I care. Like the thing with, with like Carousel of Progress in specific, which is like a big piece of Tomorrowland, which isn't operating in a Disneyland anymore, which is a shame, but it's still open in Magic Kingdom. And it used to be one of my favorite things in the world when I was a kid, but nobody ever wanted to like go on it because it's just like, it's literally sitting in a giant fucking wheel and going around and watching like four different like, I think it's four acts of just like, you know, turn of the century, 20s, 40s, and like today. 
I will say this though. During the middle part of the film, where they go into the Eiffel Tower and the rocket comes out and the movie becomes national treasure for like fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. That was dope. I wanted that. It was that. so much fun. It's so much fun. If this was see, like that's a, the adventure portion of the if film. If this was a transdimensional like heist film where they're trying to get some kind of futuristic MacGuffin to keep the end of the world from happening, I would have been all there. But all that fucking speechifying and that bloated first act and you don't really need the sort of this, there's no reason this movie had to be 130 minutes. I think I, it did. I know I, I keep harping about movie times, but I mean, this movie could have been an hour and a half. No, right? it could not have. You maybe would not have been able to have as much minutes. fun, adventure goodness as you did in this movie. And no, like, you cut the speechifying and you got like a brisk little uh, like sci-fi adventure thing instead of. If you this, cut like a little bit, like a little bit was, off the fat of the third act, I would like, agree. This was like a TED talk in film form. Fuck you! It was not a TED talk in film form. Whatever. I mean, listen, this movie <laughs> had a lot of people with kind of black and white views about the role of humanity and progress and our place in the world, which really reminded me. This movie reminded me of like a kitty version of Watchmen. Oh my god! I you still have, can't believe this comparison, but I where, love it so where you much. Have, where you have Hugh Laurie as the Ozymandias character, who basically fakes the end of the world to light a fire under humanity's ass for betterment, so using basically evil to do good, or mm-hmm. good in quotation marks. You've got uh, George Clooney as like the night owl Batman character, and I tried to figure out what the two kids is, but the little British robot child is probably Doctor Manhattan. <laughs> You're terrible. I mean, uh, Dr. Manhattan might as well be like a supercomputer, right? More or less. Yeah, or, I guess. I mean, if, if you told me that Dr. Manhattan was actually like a, a, a super intelligent cyborg from the future, I would believe you. Yeah. Which leaves Brett Robertson as what, like a combination of Silk, uh, Silk Spectre and Comedian? No, that doesn't make any sense. No, that doesn't make any sense at all. She's not Rorschach because like that's... No fucking she's like the opposite of Rorschach. <laughs> literal opposite of Rorschach. this movie doesn't really have a rorschach but i don't think anything related to disney can have a rorschach she is li- because she is the literal opposite of rorschach like well, she's probably she's probably the silk specter then i guess and it's just as well that there's no comedian in this movie so yeah whatever but i really liked Britt roberts in this movie i think she has such good charisma she's such a good like like action lead i guess i don't want to not action lead like adventure lead like she would be a great fucking amblin character she would be a good amblin character i'm just kind of bummed out that this movie was for kids <laughs> the thing is i don't think it is for kids like that like that home invasion portion was kind of like a joe dante kind of thing that home invasion portion okay see but that's like a testament to who brad bird is he makes He's a cartoon very director. cartoony movies it's the same thing with his well, so does Joe Mission Dante. Impossible movie. Yes, he does. I agree. But like, you look at uh, the scene in the comic book store, for instance. I thought right. was like brilliant. Catherine Hahn and um, Keegan Key or Keegan Michael Key. It's um, it's just like it's so fun. It's so like silly. It's so cartoonish. Yeah, that's it's like so the, that's like the part on the nose. Like, that's look part- at all of this fucking sci-fi things from that Disney technically owns that like <laughs> Yeah, this is uh, th- that's like the part in Gremlins where shit starts getting real. Yeah, and like I love that they purposely put in like a giant Han Solo frozen in carbonite just because it's Disney it's being like could. we own this. Yeah, Suck but all it. but all all the sci-fi action stuff is like fine. 
it's the speechifying that gets me. But the speechifying only happens like right at the end. Well, no, it, it's like kind of interspersed. Not I mean, so much. It like at the beginning of the film when we do like we do the classroom montage of basically teachers acting as doomsday prophets and uh our character just lifts up her hand and the question she asks is can we fix it like she's fucking bob the builder <laughs> that is just poor the thing is like i don't that mind that like lack poor. of that sheer lack of subtlety because again what i what i was going off uh saying earlier was like it is very much in tune with like the world of Tomorrowland. Like, that is what Disney's Tomorrowland is all about. It is about, like, figuring out what's gonna fucking, like, what's gonna be the future. How can we make this world, like, a little better? Which nowadays has gone to shit because they have, like, a bunch of stupid rides and stuff, like, fucking, like, a Lilo and Stitch, Stitch thing, which they took out the most magnificent alien ride in the world for like sort of show thing they have like a buzz Lightyear ride but like like the carousel of progress is like that perfect perfect representation of like nostalgia and sheer unbridled futuristic imagination that i feel like this movie does in fact capture when she puts on the pin for the first time and goes off into this magnificent futuristic universe I was I was just taken aback because I was like I wish that was me. Like I wish I could go off in these exciting exciting adventures and like even if I end up in the middle of a fucking lake somewhere and like like it's just it's so like I don't know it made me feel like I was going to Disney for the first time which was kind of nice because like again I really fucking love Disney and I don't know so I feel like I that... have a connection to this movie that potentially puts me at a position where I am willing to ignore certain issues with it. So basically, well, what not ignore that... certain issues with it. I just think the positives outweigh the issues that it has. I think Bird outweighs Lindelof. So basically, what you're saying is that you like this movie because you've glugged so much of the Kool Aid since you were a young man. I have not glugged so much of the Kool-Aid. I think Disney is an awful, awful place. And I had like a long conversation with, I've literally had this same exact conversation with fucking Andrea Arnold over dinner. And I'm not like here for this. Just am I, saying, am I I'm in the Andrea Arnold right role here? You are literally Andrea Arnold right now. She was just like, Oh, I can't go there. Like it's like manufactured happiness and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, but there's, there's something special about going going out there and seeing all of these people just having like such a good time on these, these rides and enjoying each other's company. And I know, but like, I know there's menace under the magic, but like, let's lay some shit out. It's a little magical. Let's air a little, let's air a little laundry, shall we? Escape uh, from tomorrow is not a great movie. It is a mess, but I like it. It's it's a first ballot entry into the Guerrilla Filmmaking Hall of Fame, don't get me wrong. But Shit. that movie is just as speechifying and annoying in parts as this movie is. Oh, definitely so. But, it just tries to be vaguely more abstract about its speechifying. But here's the thing, though. At least Escape from Tomorrow has, like, jokes. Fuck you. This movie <laughs> has so many good jokes. They're so corny, though. 
because that's who Brad Bird is. Brad Bird is corny and it's okay because it's fun. I like his. I don't know. Corny. I remember. I remember Iron Giant having good jokes. I remember Incredibles having good jokes. They both have corny jokes too, though. Let's be real. But a lot of that is performance too, because a lot of what made the Incredibles great was Craig T. Nelson and Sam Jackson, and those Maybe. are performances. And what's weird is that those actors gave better performances with their voices than these actors do in this film. I don't agree. I think everyone played so well off each other in this movie. Clooney was kind of bad in this. Who? Clooney? Yeah. No. I didn't like Clooney no. in this so much. I think the weakest role was definitely Hugh Laurie, but like, I loved Clooney in this. I oh, he looked like he was having fun for once in his life, like outside of a Coen Brothers movie. I was gonna say, like honestly, I mean, like he hasn't. Ugh. This movie's vibe was not like I wasn't on the same wavelength as, as this film. And I was. And I mean, I didn't. We... I mean, I didn't hate it, but I didn't like it. I, mean, I think. I think this. This is like lower tier Brad Bird. Okay, but like, have you seen all of Brad Bird's movies? I think I've seen everything except Mission Impossible. Okay, well that's that's fair, I guess. And that's Iron. That's Iron Giant, Ratatouille, Incredibles, and this. All of the shit that reminds me of either cartoons or like like weird heist movies. Like, because this literally feels like National Treasure for, like, ten minutes. You just really like the entire middle segment of the this whole, movie. Like, I like the, like, the from when they, like, literally teleport from the U.S. to France, the whole that's sequence so of the, the whole sequence of the Eiffel Tower, and when they go back to Tomorrowland, that's, like, the best portion of the film. I wish it would have been all that. I mean, it's one of my favorite portions of the film, but I also feel like her getting to Clooney... And the entire Clooney's house sequence are really, really great. And the house arrest was pretty too. good. The but house arrest piece was like delightful. This movie is too frazzled, too messy, too unsure of what it wants to posit. I think it's ambitious, and I think it's having fun with itself. And I don't think it's perfect. It doesn't but strike I think me as flaws. fun. This movie feels kind of self-important, but I think that's more of a Damon Lindelof thing. I think that's a, a Damon Bird Lindelof thing. thing, but I don't think it's. I don't think it 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 feels as self important as you think it does. Like this whole time, I've I felt like I I could either be like re rereading Watchmen or I could be watching The Rocketeer because oh. it has it has a stronger sense of that of that sort of gung ho can do stuff. I mean, the, the kid literally brings a fucking jetpack that he built at the beginning of the film. I that, loved it. And if that's not supposed to be like, oh, you could you would you could be watching The Rocketeer right now instead of watching this movie. I don't know what it is. Ugh, you're so wrong. And you know what? Jennifer Connelly is in The Rocketeer and she's not in this movie. So that's a point in The Rocketeer's court. Really Jennifer Connelly? Yeah, I like Jennifer Connelly. I love Jennifer Connelly, but that's that's your that's your defense here. Here's here's my thing. If I had to pick between a mid-budget, uh, cheesy action movie directed by Joe Johnston and a big-budget bloat fest directed by Brad Bird, I'd probably take the Joe Johnston movie. This is the second time we mentioned Joe Johnston. This is true. We we, we just we're crossing over a lot today. I'm proud of us. Yeah, we're crossing the streams a bit. We gotta stop yeah, doing that. I know, but um. I just I don't know I loved that entire opening opening bit at the the 1964 World Fair I thought I thought it was so fun like like you have jetpacks you have like a kid just sneaking into 
it's a small world and revealing what everyone's always wanted out of like Disney rides, just like secrets beneath, you know, like it's fun. And I um, wish fucking NASA would have played a bigger role in this. I actually kind of do too. That's what's weird about this movie. It posits that uh, that all creatives are created equal, but it definitely gives some kind of prefer- preferential treatment to scientists and engineers and such. It's like, yeah, you get, like yeah, you got the ballet, you got the ballet dancers at the end, and you've got you know the guy playing guitar. Yeah, yeah, he can come, but let's focus on the scientists and engineers. They're the real bread and butter of the operation. I mean, frankly, it's, I'm not gonna be. I'm not gonna be that like that person but it's true we're kind you of piece of shit you asshole we're kind of useless and oh, outdated don't say that shit don't i know i have to i have, you have to be drunk Lord so much for a second you have drunk so much of the kool-aid i that have, you have become self-hating but the thing is creatives do matter because without creatives we wouldn't be able to have the imaginative ideas that exist today in disneyland listen to the excrement coming out of your mouth <laughs> well it's true like an entire huge portion of um of, of epcot which is like the quote-unquote educational of disney world's parks is um like obviously there's a lot of like science and just like very cool tech type stuff and then there's the entire world segment of the park which is just every single country and exploring their cultures which like some do better than others but whatever at the very least they actually get people from said countries working in those parks which i think is a really nice touch yeah the literature of only certain countries counts no of all country uh, every single country has people who are native to those no i understand that but how many of those people are like writers or otherwise critical like uh, cultural thinkers I don't know, I would say a fair amount. But anyway, uh, another portion of this park is, like, very much focused on, like, imagination and, like, creativity. And, like, it's not obviously, like, the forefront. But, like, I think that's part of why so many of these rides, which obviously need to be engineered and blah, 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 have to have this sort of very creative, like, there has to be a very good creative team behind these rides to be able to make so many people come back for more constantly i think this is the core problem with this film and i want to talk about like the politics and whatever of the film and you keep talking about a fucking ride but the thing is like i think to be able to properly discuss tomorrowland you need to be able to reference oh my god and the area of said park that it is loosely based on. I think they go hand in hand. I really, uh, I mean, they obviously uh, do because <laughs> they are the same fucking thing. Oh man! And then at that point, this becomes the adaptation. This becomes a filmic adaptation of a fucking Disneyland ride, which is just one step <laughs> above Battleship. Fuck you! Final judgments. You go. Well, I go first, or you go first. I can't. Doesn't remember matter. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take the high road here and go rotten. Really. Not- not that this movie doesn't have its strong You're such a dick. Not that this movie doesn't have its strong points, but I think it's marred by speechifying and bloat and it's, there's there's like five different movies inside this movie that would have been caused by Derek being a pessimistic piece of shit is what and, it's caused by. And Juan's You're the pos- reason why the world's gonna end. 
and wants positive reviews because he is up to his fucking gills in Disney Inc. Kool-Aid. No, it's just that I want movies that... Uh, I watch so many fucking depressing-ass movies. I watch so many movies about how the universe is just a piece of shit. Humanity fucking sucks. And like, yeah, I have to deal with that every single fucking day of my life. But this is like half of this movie too. That's the thing. No, it's not. Yes, I mean, there's you half. You keep saying that, but no, it's the wrong people who think that way. Everyone in this movie thinks that at some point or another. The whole no, they the whole experience life. a vague amount of doubt, and then they realize, no, fuck, I'm stupid. I should be fucking optimistic because maybe the world isn't as shitty as everybody else is making. But the it movie seem. treats it as the as the end and not the means. That's the thing. <sighs> we are not going to agree on this whatsoever. I am happy. In this optimistic fucking world of cartooniness and silliness. This movie is optimistic. Sometimes having doubt and being optimistic. This movie is optimistic in the same way that those men in black style dudes are smiling. Wow. That's pretty good, right? That's pretty bad. Uh, It's actually pretty good, but it's also awful. All right, anyway. It's just because it can't reconcile the two. That's all it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I disagree. But, you know, that's what this whole podcast is about. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, we fall on different sides of the critical consensus this time. Shocking. All right, anyway. uh, What is your recommendation of the week? I'm going to go back in time to a George Clooney co-starring and directed joint called Good Night and Good Luck, uh, chronicling uh, a small portion of uh, American newscaster uh, Edward Morrow's career, incarnated by the excellent, most excellent David Strathairn. A beautifully shot film, crisp black and white imagery, uh, talky in a very classical way, and uh, just a really cool movie. That's about all I have to say about it. <laughs> this isn't I a hard one to defend. I also agree it is a pretty cool movie. Uh, it's awesome. So yeah, good night and good luck. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would, I would, I would, I, I dig that. So I was originally going to go with a Brad Bird movie because I love all of them, but we already talked about those in depth. And I'm going to go ahead and pick this on a super loose, 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 loose. Well, it's not loose uh, because the the caveat is either director, a star, or a movie released in the same year in the same genre. Yeah, and this has three of the same genre, which is action, adventure, and sci-fi. And I am picking one of the greatest movies of this year. You mean the Mad greatest this year, right? Max, one of the Mad Max Fury Road. Mad Max colon Fury Road. Yeah, by George Miller. Yep. Everything I mean, about this movie is perfect. I mean, what can, what what can we say about Mad Max Fury Road that hasn't been said about exactly about Mad Max Fury Road? I mean, that it's movie perfect. is just incredible. It's just it's really incredible. I saw it three times in theaters. I still want to watch it again. 
It's magnificent. It's magnificent. It's magnificent. It is everything that a movie should be. And if I had to like pick a single movie from this year to like have to watch over and over and over again that I could never watch anything but this movie, it would be Mad Max Fury Road. All right. So, uh, Derek, what is our not 20th episode? Our 21st episode. Oh my God, we can officially drink in America. Uh, well, we're only, we're only 21 episodes old. That makes us 42 weeks old. So that. Well, I mean, we're like a little like older because of, of missed dates. We're still a baby. <laughs> we are a baby. But anyway, what are, what are we, what are we, what are we looking at for next week? We are going on a little trip, my friend. We are going. Oh my. Yeah, we are going to visit. I believe this is the first time that we're going to visit South Korea on the podcast. Oh, my. Yes, sir. For our 21st episode, we will be covering My Beautiful Girl, Marie, from 2002, directed by Lee Sung Kang, Lee Sung Kang, and Seong Kang Lee. Woo! So, South Korean animation, ladies and gentlemen, that is what we're doing oh. next time. Pretty exciting. Not I know lie. jack shit about this movie. Neither do I, which is what makes it especially exciting. So, uh, plug time. You can find us on dimthehouselights.com, which is our long-form film criticism website, which we also feature such lovely writers like Michelle Arf, Chris Mello, Ross Burks, and Carl Harris. You can also find us on Letterboxd and Twitter because we each share the same handle on each one, which is uh, for myself, Woah Twanito, W-O-A-H, it's Juanito, and uh, Derek G. That's... You bastard, you fucked it up. Oh, it's Derek underscore G. That's right. <laughs> Don't forget that underscore. Sorry about that underscore, that underscore did not score in my mind. Keep going. <laughs> um, you can also go ahead and find me on MiamiNewTimes.com and you can find Derek on his exciting new website on Tumblr for his writing now that Sound on Site is... Um, it went the way of the dodo. It's a different thing now. A more important site, of which the name I can't remember outside of Schlock City? It's MontrealSchlockCity.com. All right, there we go. MontrealSchlockCity.com. That's S-C-H-L-O-C-K. This is why I can't do plugs, because I get... <laughs> I get you only have forget. you only have one left. You only have to plug the pods website, which is at sitmwipodcast.tumblr.com. There You're you can such find... a shit. You took it out of my mouth. <laughs> there you can find links to our Twitter accounts, our Letterboxd accounts, our RSS feed, and our iTunes show page. And while you're there, go give us a review, give us some ratings, give us some feedback so we can go outside of our little established circle of friends and become worldwide podcasting superstars. Love us, love us. Say that you love us. All right, so that's that, I think, right? Yeah, suck right. my left one, everybody. <laughs> I'm just going to keep on like, no. like throwing out Bikini Kills titles here. Man, man, you said you said see you in two weeks. Really weird. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Bye.